0: our first entry from michael bryant he would actually work on another episode and these are the only two episodes he works on this one and the other one which i will get to eventually directed by mike vahar but what i really like about this one is we have uh richard Reilly. I trying to look up how to pronounce that exactly i like him he's done some decent stuff he's actually been in star trek before a couple times he was over in inner light and um the, the holiday village i can't remember the name of the episodes There were two of them. I can't remember the name. They were back in Voyager. He was in those episodes as well. He's a good actor. He does some good, like, you know, lighthearted kind of stuff. Which is very appropriate for someone who is being horribly tortured. But, anyways. I'm not actually joking about that. We get a flashback to Soong. We must fulfill humanity's promise. Now, that is interesting. Application of human ingenuity is the phrase that comes to mind when I think of what Soon is pushing for here. And he also speaks extensively not only of the fear that they should have of the people back on Earth, but of the devastation of the war and how terrible it is. I just want to point that out because it's continuing to be a threat. Then they're like, okay, well, we need to take over this station. Malik is immediately like, well, let's just take out this thing. That'll immediately knock out the... You know, uh, Life support. I kept on saying air control. They'll knock out life support. And then we can just wait a few hours and then walk over. Soong's like, no! We're not killing them! Oh, hang on. Let me make this point very clear. No, no one is to be killed. Now, they, meanwhile, uh, Malik starts to resist his orders, and Soong is going to have to start establishing himself a little bit. At about this point, they find the old outpost where they had settled them, and... Yeah, calling this place a colony would be very, very kind. I'm pretty sure that uh the place I currently live in is a nicer place than this colony. They had a protein resequencer and they had a water you know rehabilitator or whatever. So they had food and water, and that's about it. Making my point earlier about the whole you know child development thing. Yeah. This is also probably the first time Archer really realizes what's going on with Soong in particular, and will form something of a basis which will actually come up more in the next episode. Because Archer's watching them, and there's this bit where Soong is has the birthday cake, and he's endearing himself to his children. Or not, he's endearing himself. God, I keep using the wrong words. He is being their father. It's the best way I can put it. Now, this is something we've already realized, but this is when Archer comes to grips with the idea that we have already come to an understanding on. So he now knows Soong isn't a horrible person, quote unquote. This then leads to the contest between Soong and Malik, and the contrast between Soong and Malik. Soong just sits there and talks about Ranique and how this was his thing, and he used to be able to point out the stars and... What happened to your brother, Malik? And Malik is like, I killed him with all of my droids. <laughs> or, 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 sorry, sorry. Malik feeds this BS story, starts faking tears and saying, Oh, you forced me to kill him. It was so terrible. This leads to Sung apologizing over and over for failing them. And we get a good shot of Malik, and we see what kind of a freaking sociopath this bastard really is. And that he's willing to do this just to maintain his connection to his father, who he's already losing respect for. Meanwhile, this leads to Persis and Malik, And you'll notice Malik goes out of his way to lie to her to convince her to stay with him. Now... I want to emphasize that because it's actually probably one of the strongest moments in the episode. And in a really weird and understated way, at least for me. This episode is going to establish a point over and over. But cons and most of the Augments are consistently shown to not have that same point. This is the strongest emphasis of it right here, for me. Rather than legitimately connect with another human being... Malik will lie and manipulate and deceive that human being to get what he wants from them. He just did that with Soong, and now he does that with her. Because there's no real, let's call it empathy there. Meanwhile, we find out that, they couldn't, that EarthGov couldn't decide what to do with the embryos. So what do we do with them? Um, let me think about this. Let's see. So we got a couple options here. We can go ahead and birth them, right? I mean, they're they're beings, or at least they have the potential to be beings. So we could birth them and make sure that they grow up and are taken care of. No, no let's not do that. Uh, we can kill them. Uh, that's a bit much. You know what? Let's let's put it off until later. <laughs> let's make it someone else's problem. Let's spend time and money and effort securing them far away from the rest of this. If you're paying attention, what they do is the equivalent of imprisoning them. Now, it's not the same, because these are not living, sentient, sapient beings who already have the intelligence and understanding of what imprisonment means to thus understand the concept and therefore be punished by it. But, in many ways, prison is a a desire to simply take undesirables and put them over there under the rug, away from the rest of society. Now, I'm not going to go into whether that's a good or a bad thing, because that is a whole other mess. But it is extremely Starfleet. or I was going to say Federation, but it is extremely Starfleet, isn't it? Oh, uh, we don't know what to do with you. Huh. Go over there. Are you going to come help us? Just go over there. Are you going to do anything with us? Just go over there! I would firmly believe that EarthGov had no plans to ever readdress the embryo situation or ever do anything with them. This also leads to a typical Starfleet security setup. They're warned, they know they're coming, and they still suck. I, I don't even know what to say about these. So this then leads to uh, Udor, that is to say, Smike. I don't want to go back to Earth. They're just going to throw me in prison. Well, you're not going into prison. I wonder if Archer means that. It's worth noting that there is evidence in this episode, we never see it outright, that EarthGov, Starfleet, has outright authorized the actual destruction of Soong and the station and all the scientists on board, as well as the embryos, in order to stop the augments. Now, I can see why they are facing an international incident here, and that does change the stakes a little bit. not saying I don't empathize, I'm just saying, you know... But it is interesting, the idea that this one gentleman is going to be considered fine. Is it because he's not really an augment? Is it because he's not really complicit? Or is it just because Archer connects with the kid? Just genuinely. He tries an interesting approach. He is genuinely friendly. And, and I mean, consistent. even before the dinner, he's just like, yeah, no, it'll be cool. And he's just kind of nice to him. And he offers him the information. Doesn't shove it in his face. Just like, here, if you want more information, this is your mom, this is your dad. We got more if you want to know about it. We'll make sure the the information in the database is available to you, if, if you'd like to. It's like, okay, thanks. How's your meal? It's good. He's just legitimately friendly. Huh. Meanwhile, Phlox is entering hibernation, plus the continuity counter. And we have the discussion on genetic engineering. Now, I kind of already discussed this, but the interesting part here is that their approach once again shows how Soon was actually right while at the same time being completely wrong. If they use genetic engineering for medical care as a way to try and prevent or indeed cure, uh, excuse me, I said that the wrong way, cure or indeed prevent certain types of genealogical and genetic issues, like we have so many of in real life, and I'm sure they do after World War III and the genetic hell that that was, it makes a degree of sense to try and use this kind of engineering to prevent such things, as Archer's own father went through. Both Archer and Flox admit to the validity of it. And Flox flat out states that his people never had the eugenics wars, possibly just because of how denobulans are, but as Flocks himself says, it's also possible they just straight up got lucky. It could also be inferred that Earth got genetic engineering before they were ready for it. Now, I don't want to get too much into theories, but I have heard theories and fan stories and that kind of thing about the idea that genetic engineering was implanted into Earth far before they were actually ready for it. In other words, it would explain why they had genetic engineering way back in the 90s. And I know, I know, the real reason is because it was the 60s and it was the future and blah, blah, blah. But my point is, it would explain why they had that in the 90s, but wouldn't get to space for years and years and years and years and years later. Whereas, you know, most other races had kind of a reversed or a more smooth technological curve. Instead, Earth kind of leapt forward in one particular field, the engineering, and then lagged behind in almost every other way. In fact, if it wasn't for their interaction with the Vulcans, they probably would have taken even longer to actually get to space. So, that leads us to the idea that it was implanted. That it was something that was alien-infused. I don't really buy into that theory personally, but it is an interesting one. Especially given the fact that, as we've seen, there was a story arc entirely devoted towards Khan and Gary 7. Which I talked about over on the TOS, TOS ruminations. And, well, there you go, right? The other thing I wanted to mention, though, here, is it's also entirely possible that Earth just had, uh, there's no nice way to put this, more violent people on it. (laughs) Or maybe just enough people. I don't know. Sample size theory, you know. (sighs) Hmm. So this leads to the torture of Lucas. Ah, By the way, yes, this is that Lucas. Phlox has actually been dedicating letters to him several times in the past and has referenced him many times before. So, plus the continuity counter. We're, we're continuing to connect threads back and forward. Love this stuff. I really do. Notice how Soon flinches every time they start beating him. And at a certain point, he has to tell Malik to chill back. And Malik doesn't really want to. Meanwhile, they continue to find out how resistant the the, uh, the, the augments are to stun, because it takes several shots to bring one down. You think they just keep shooting? I feel like I've already said this about the reptilians of the Zindi, so let's just move on. There's a little tidbit where Flock says even an augment needs oxygen. You know that's valid, but it makes me wonder. We do know that uh, Klingons actually need to eat a decent amount of food. Weirdly, Vulcans don't, even though Vulcans probably should, since they are also superhuman and have Mondo death brains. My point is that Augments, if you, th- if you think about it, should probably be intaking a huge quantity of calories in order to maintain themselves. And yet that's never even mentioned. Uh, we never even see them eating other than, you know, Smike eating with Archer. It just makes me wonder because, he, I mean, it's a valid point. You still need oxygen. In fact, you probably need resources more than a human body because you're using them so much more in order to accomplish all of the more you can do, right? I mean, to put, to use a very bad analogy, a tank needs more gas than a car, right? You know, unless you're driving a Ford. <clears throat> this then leads to, uh, Soong desperately wanting to get these causes And he, he puts the deputy director. I tried to look up his name, but his character name is deputy director. Anyway, so he's put in the tube and they start going through us. And Soong starts describing this and it's visibly bothering him. And at a certain point, he grabs Lucas and starts ranting at him. I can save him. I can save. How, how, how could you do this? How can you let this happen? To which Lucas responds, how can you? Soon tries desperately to distance himself from this horrible act. And just can't. And finally, he just says, Op- open it. Let him out. Let him out. Malik's like, no. Soong's like, I'm sorry. What? Get the hell out of the way. Let him out. Actually, it, what he does is he tries to do the antipathogen. But the point is, he tries to cut off the thing to save his life. He is too late. The man dies. Now, what's interesting is this scene makes clear what I've been hinting at this whole time. This episode and arguably the next episode are all about the concept of empathy. The simple, the simple emotional ability to understand and care about the feelings and hurts and pains of another. And uh, that might be sympathy instead of empathy. I always get the two confused. Forgive me if I'm screwing it up. But that, right? I'm going to call it empathy in case that is what it is. If I'm wrong, whatever. His soon empathizes. I'm going to look it up. That's going to bug me. Should have looked it up first. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. They just do... Hello? Hello? As I hit the button like 40 times. Ability to understand and share the feelings of us. I think sympathy is actually more closer to what I'm happening. I like empathy better because it feels more closer to what I'm talking about. The ability to empathize with someone else. You sympathize. I, I get there's a difference. You know what? I don't care. I'm going to use empathy. <laughs> Deanna Troy has influenced me on this one. The Sung tries so hard to not empathize with other people. But remember, he doesn't want anyone to die. He doesn't want anyone to hurt. He's trying to cure things. He's trying to improve things. He wants to make things better. I can save him. Why won't you let me? How many times do you think he said those words? How many times do you think he's ranted about that in his own head as he sits in his present cell? And being faced with this situation that's spiraling wildly out of his control very quickly. How much time do you think has been burying his back underneath this mountain of ash, of all this crap, of all these people who don't understand. Now, don't mistake me, Soong is in the wrong here, clearly and decisively. He is blinded, in many ways, by his loyalty to his children, but also in his refusal to understand or accept what's actually happening. And his ability to do these things, in spite of his hatred of them, does not speak particularly well to his character. If anything, I wish we had done something here with Archer. Archer would have been a fascinating character to put alongside Soong and have the two connect by virtue of Archer seeing the kind of person he had become in Season 3 present in Soong, who thinks he's doing what he has to do, you know, I do what I must, and absolutely despises it. And then that being the way that Archer reaches out to Soong. Either way, this just shreds him. This then leads to um, the death of the man, and this this is the real key point here. Sung is devastated. You know, Lucas is actually sobbing, and then it bothers the camera. bothers Mike Vahar is directing. He makes a point here: the camera bothers to show a reaction shot of all the other augments. You know what their reactions are? Huh? Nothing. And that's the key, because while Malik is obviously sadistic. The rest of them just don't care. They are detached, a total lack of empathy. So, the auto-destruct happens, and then the bird—except it doesn't. Then the bird shows up, except it doesn't. He really starts to lose control of the kids at about this point. Malik starts to actively ignore him and do things against his will, and literally physically shoves him a, a, across the room. The only one who ri- reacts to that at all is Parsis or Persis, or whatever her name is. They don't say her name enough. They said it once in the last episode, and I wrote it down when they said it. Like, I actually wrote down a blank in my notes. Persis, I'm right. Just to try and emphasize that, because it's like, come on. She's the only one who reacts to that at all. He then tries to reassert control several times in a typical, "I'm you're, you know, I'm the teacher, I'm the parent kind of way. And it has about as much effect as that usually does on a rebellious kid continuing the theme of them not being fully emotionally or mentally developed. So he decides to release the... he push Flocks in there. This is, by the way, the last major point of empathy in this episode. Because at this point, what happens is Lucas simply cannot res- allow anything to happen to Phlox, his good and old friend. So he capitulates immediately, begging, pleading for Phlox to not go through that horrific death. And Sung is like, well, can't get him out of there. Okay, now we're gonna go. And Smike's like, I'm gonna stay. And you know what Soung's response is? He just hugs him. I understand. It's okay. It's okay. No judgment, no hate. Archer is pathetic, as usual and decides to waste time after having successfully gotten the jump on an augment who is faster and stronger than him to kick that augment and then try to wrestle the gun away and slowly wield it at his enemy. I hate to comment on this kind of thing because it's ultimately a bit of a storyboarding slash blocking thing, but Archer really is pathetic here. I just wanted to comment on that because it nearly gets him killed. Thankfully, Malik decides to slow-mode him because of the aforementioned sadistic nature, and just kind of beat him up to death until finally, okay, okay. I'll let you die with all the pathogens instead. said, ha ha Then he's out. And then he goes out with all of his droids to prove his superiority once and for all. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, sorry. This then leads to Archer having to emulate becoming a sneak eater And then we cut to the to be continued. Probably one of the more obvious examples of string continuity within these mini arcs we see here. Although we're going to see more of these in the future. Side little note before we chop off. Did you catch so many of those little pathogens? I thought about writing down each of their names. Trust me when I say that each of them is actually from another episode of TOS and TNG. I I looked up the list. It's cool. And it once again shows that adherence to continuity that is kind of season four's wheelhouse. I'm really liking this stuff so far. If it's not obvious, I don't know if it's... I really don't know. And I suppose I should have put this in the text at the end, but I'm going to ask flagrantly right now. Is it apparent how much more I'm enjoying this? I may not have as much to say, and I do apologize. I know a lot of you prefer the longer videos over the the ones where I just kind of am done at the 20-minute mark. But I've really been digging these, and I feel like I can actually sink my teeth into these episodes so much more than virtually anything we've had. Like, there's probably five episodes prior to now which have really caught me in the same way that all of the season four episodes have been catching me. (sighs) Granted, we're not that far in, so who knows? Maybe it's just going to (sighs) go, just like so many other things do. I suppose we'll find out next time.